The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The rulers sneered at Jesus and said, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the chosen one, the Christ of God. Even the soldiers jeered at him. As they approached to offer him wine, they called out, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Above him there was an inscription that read, This is the king of the Jews. Now one of the criminals hanging there reviled Jesus, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. The other, however, rebuking him, said in reply, Have you no fear of God? For you are subject to the same condemnation. And indeed, we have been condemned justly, for the sentence we receive corresponds to our crimes. But this man has done nothing criminal. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied to him, Amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. The Gospel of the Lord. Lord be with you. It was 97 years ago that the Catholic Church began celebrating the Feast of Christ the King. It was Pius XI in 1925, uh, who, like many men and women in Europe at the time, were, were still trying to make sense of what had happened in the First World War, a war that had like it had never really happened before, and, and it was a war in which Christian nations were fighting each other. It just didn't seem to make any sense, not that war ever does, but in that context, these, the European countries were Christians by and large. And so the Pope uh, wanted to remind everyone that all Christians, that we all serve the same king, Jesus, the King of Kings. No matter what our passport is, ultimately we are all brothers and sisters from the same kingdom. And so by celebrating Christ the King every, every fall, right before Advent, was hopefully a way to, to uh, allow those beautiful ideas to kind of take root in our hearts. Because it's a new feast, relatively speaking, there's not a lot of artwork uh, about Christ the King specifically, but there is one that I did want to show to you today. We looked at one of his paintings recently. His, his name is uh, Jean Van Eyck, and he made the what's called today the Ghent altarpiece. And it's part of the altarpiece has been stolen many times by Napoleon and then by uh, the Germans in World War II, and, and it's kind of gone all over the map. But uh, I like his work specifically because he is the second brother in his family. <laughs> and, uh, and this painting that I'm going to show you is actually commissioned by his older brother. His older brother was asked to do it, but he just couldn't get it done, so Jean Van Eyck had to save the day. Um, so if you're wondering why those are laughing, it's in your new, I'm... My older brother, the first son of our family, is also a priest. Uh, I probably shouldn't pick on Father Jason, though, because this morning he's probably still 
digging out his car from the snow in Erie. So um, he'll listen to this later and give me a hard time. The, the reading from today that we read is from Jesus on the cross, the King of the Jews. And you might be wondering, that doesn't sound or seem very kingly or majestic for our King of Kings to be in the moment when he dies on the cross. But Pope Pius XI, in his document where he proclaimed the feast day, he, he wrote that he hoped that all rulers would recognize Christ as king, all armies, and all people. And in the gospel, Jesus is on the cross, and as it kind of tells the story, it's the rulers of the Jews mocking Jesus, the soldiers mocking Jesus, and the common people mocking Jesus. And so it's an example, hopefully, of what will change at the moment of the, of the resurrection when Jesus' glory and divinity are made manifest. So let's look at uh, this painting from Jean Van Eyck. It's just the centerpiece of the Ghent altarpiece. It's, it's Christ the King, although it's debated whether it's God the Father or Christ the Son. I'm going to lean towards Christ the Son. He's wearing red, the symbol of his passion. And since it's a little hard to see on our screens, I want to focus a little bit more. Uh, at, we'll go from the top to the bottom. And at the bottom, there's a little secret message that Jean Van Eyck left. If you see the face of Jesus behind him, there's that golden background with these Latin words. On the left, it says... It begins saying, Ic est Deus. This is God. So there's no doubt. This is God. And then the Latin is a little hard to read, but what it says is, this is God. He's most powerful because of his divinity. He's high and above all things in creation because of his goodness. And he is all generous because of his great an endless merciful bounty. Very nice Latin kind of words there. Not what you might expect in the sense if this is God all-powerful and almighty, you might expect to hear something more about his strength and his wisdom, but Jean Manaik wanted us to see in him his tender mercy and love. Now the, the head, uh, the crown on the head of Jesus, there's three crowns there. And this is something that you often see uh, in old paintings of one of the popes. It's kind of a papal crown. But it comes from the idea, the triple idea, that Jesus is priest, prophet, and king. And Jesus is also king of the earth, king of under the earth, and king of the heavens. So there's three realms of which Jesus is Lord. If we go down a little bit farther... Uh, Jesus is blessing and he holds his hand like this and you'll often see a priest doing a blessing with three fingers up and two fingers down and the symbol there is that Jesus is part of the Trinity the three and he also is both divine and human the two natures of Jesus in his person Jesus is also clothed in the red from his passion and on his vestments you'll see the words king of kings and lord of lords. 
Now behind the hand of Jesus, there's like this blue wallpaper and there's an image of a pelican. So if we focus on the pelican for a moment, it's a symbol from ancient Christianity. It turned out that their idea wasn't really correct, but the theology is beautiful. They, the ancients believed that a pelican, the mother pelican, if she had nothing to give her children for food, her chicks, I guess you would call them, she would strike herself on her chest and with her blood give life to those little chicks. Now, it didn't actually happen that way. Later on, they realized it didn't actually happen, but all the way up through the Renaissance, it was believed that the pelican would sacrifice its life for their children. And that became an example or an image of Jesus on the cross who gave his life and his blood for us. Many churches, when they would decorate their tabernacle, they would put a pelican on the tabernacle. Ours is the Ark of the Covenant imagery, but when you go into an older church and you see a pelican, you know, that's a symbol of Christ giving his life for us. All right, let's head to the very bottom, kind of the, the end of the painting. As you're looking at this and your eyes are going down, you'll see at the foot of Jesus, there's a crown. And it's just on the ground. Whose crown is that? The book of Revelation where we see Jesus proclaimed as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, there is a multitude of people before his throne. And it says that they cast off their crowns to the foot, to the feet of Jesus in homage to him as king. There's even a Christian music band called Casting Crowns, right? I don't know any of their songs, but that's the image, right? They, the invitation kind of unwritten but hidden in this painting is for you who are looking at the image to also take off your crown in homage to our Lord. And maybe you're wondering, what crown? I don't have a crown. In baptism, we become part of God's royal family. You do have a crown that you will wear in heaven. And in heaven, we will honor our heavenly king by that act of humility and homage by placing it at his feet. Everything we have is from our Lord. A take home from this painting in the feast of Christ the King is to say, we're all invited to make sure that Jesus is the Lord of our life, our home, our family, our marriages. It's so easy to say Jesus is Lord. But it's hard to act that way. If there was one group of people that Jesus always sort of had an issue with, it was the, the very hypocritical Pharisees. The Pharisees said nice things with their lips, said nice prayers, were kind of perfect on the outside, but they didn't live lives of holiness or charity or love. We have to be careful that we might say Jesus is Lord on Sunday, but on Monday... Am I still taking off my crown in humility and homage to our Lord as my king? It's certainly a little bit more difficult to do Monday morning on the way to work or school, right? But let us 
Today, as a community, give thanks to God for sending us his son, the King of Kings, and that in our families, let us pray that Jesus truly is the Lord of our house and our home. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.